Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Tennis Bets. We are on the Tennis Channel YouTube page, Tennis Bets Twitter, and Tennis.com Facebook. It's a great week to talk tennis, a great two weeks to talk tennis. We're back for the 2024 season. Got a special guest and one coming uh, fashionably late as well. But a lot to discuss on this week's show. First off, welcome in our special guest coming in this week, uh, ready to talk tennis uh, she does a lot of great stuff up in Canada on the WNBA side, as well as other platforms. Uh, the ever-talented Karina Mustafa. Karina, welcome back to Tennis Beth. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Karina, as we get to the point of this year where we're talking tennis, we need your perspective on a lot of things, including your native Canada, which we're going to you know, allude to a little later. Uh, but I have to introduce our other co-hosts as well on this show, Pamela Maldonado from Beeson from Tennis.com. Pam. Welcome back to the show. Uh, just one round in the book. It took three days this year, but uh, already some exciting matches. Excited to break them all down with you. I've been enjoying what I'm seeing so far from a both betting perspective, but more so as a fan. There's a lot to um, enjoy, and I'm ready to looking looking forward to the, the other matches. Gosh, it is just overwhelming. I realize that every year that there's just tennis on every court, matches in the first and second round, and it's impossible to keep up. But it's a special time of the year. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys each what stood out early in round one. I think we kind of know the answer, but Karina, from uh, your perspective, whether it's a match or a player or just the trend you've seen, what stood out in round one at the Australian Open? I think so far that honestly, nothing too crazy has happened yet. I think a lot of the top players have shown uh, have shown out pretty well. There have been a couple of upsets like Vondrusova going out in the first round and Andy Murray kind of losing in straight sets like that too. But I think overall, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's been pretty calm so far. Yeah, and I'm, I, here's the stat, right? 30 of the 32 men's seed have advanced to round two in Australia. That is a record. So we're setting records here. Um, and, you know, you could say on one hand, Pam, it's great that, you know, there isn't the upsets that we've had, but it could set the stage for some really good third round, quarterfinal, fourth round matches as well. So that is very true uh, that the seeds have prevailed, but it hasn't always been easy, as you know. Yeah, I think there's an opportunity here that this may be like the best quarterfinal round that we've had of just how it's shaping up to be um everyone's expect everyone you're expecting to win is winning so far there's no early upsets the weather has been a key factor of course i think uh, stefano sits up us just from like the long term of things the bigger picture he's trying to change some things in his game particularly his serve and of course you know that i'm always going to bring up my boy dominic team um mm. i don't know i'm not sure about him anymore <laughs> No, it's a tough one. A lot more to get to as well. Uh, Kenny Ducey popping into the show. Good morning, Kenny from uh, New York City. Uh, morning. No, I'm uh, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I, I did just wake up. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a wild ride for me. It's uh, look, I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what you guys have gotten into yet, but it one of the benefits of staying up and actually watching every match is just the appreciation that I have for this tournament is is off the charts. I mean, 
last night watching Dan Evans and Lorenzo Sanago go to war. The, the uh, unbelievable Rinky Hijikata, Jan Leonard Struff match last night as well. Alia Tomjanovic off the mat, as the commentator said. She was down 4 1 in that third set and comes back to win. Um, there's been incredible drama here so far. And it's only been the first round. It's hard to believe it's only been three days of this tournament. It feels like I've lived, you know, five lives by now. Uh, and. <laughs> Boy, I'm feeling it. But yeah, what a uh, good to be with you guys. It's it's a, it's great to see you guys. I gotta get some coffee in me uh, after the show. Kenny, I gotta give a uh, I gotta give a prop to one of our comments. Actually, well, you know this guy. He's had some things to say about you, maybe not in the past, but we have our first comment in the show. So I want you to look at the screen right now. Kenny said that kid. I don't I don't know what that means. Oh, you above it. Oh, Lahetchka is not a good tennis. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, I I. I didn't say that he didn't have talent. My, my whole my whole qualm with uh, I I didn't realize that you highlighted it. That's why I actually skipped it. My okay. whole qualm with Uriel Hetchka is the consistency and the fact that he just takes. I mean, we'll get to Sebastian Corda later, but he's he's very similar. He just he just checks out. Uh, I've seen him play some awful tennis matches. So I think that's why it's a frustrating player that he just hasn't he hasn't really figured out a way to put it all together. And uh, Zapata maybe not hundred percent. Maybe not my wisest moment mm -hmm. uh, saying thinking Zapata was going to cover the spread. Anyway, how are you? How are you doing, Mitch? I, I'll turn the tables. How are you doing, Karina? How are you doing, Pam? How are you guys doing? I think we're all. I think we're all doing good. We're all properly caffeinated and excited for tennis to take place in a little uh, over a little less than. Oh, an I'm hour. definitely excited. So we're gonna get to the future markets. We're gonna get to all the picks, but I want to give each of you some time to talk about topics that you wanted to get to. Uh, Pam, starting with you, one of the first things you wanted to discuss today was the new Stefano Sitspas serve. Your parlay was not able to go through because Berrettini pulled out, so that match was void, but right. he played Bergs, a lucky loser, lost the first set. Did win the next three comfortably, but the story of the match and some of our good friends, like Google Gross on Twitter, highlighted how different mm -hmm. this serve was, how it's protecting his back a little bit. So what are you seeing and what are your thoughts on Tsitsipas as a, as a betting contender and as a contender in this tournament going forward with what you've seen from the serve? I don't think that his change in serve is going to make him a contender to run deep into the Australian Open. Um, he did change to the pinpoint serve, but I actually don't think that it has anything to do with his injury. I think it's he's trying to maybe catch up with the rest of the field as far as where the area of which he's lacking. It's having that pinpoint serve. It allows him to have more precision control, especially when he's under pressure. It has the ability to generate more power. Um, right already what we've seen from Sisyphus in the past is his accuracy can already get shaky but he's six foot four he shouldn't lose too much of that accuracy with the new method I'm not really interested I'm interested to see like how his mental strength ties in with utilizing this new serve because if he's under pressure and he's in a pressure point situation where all right I gotta play catch up I have to win this next set in order to stay in how is that going to affect him he needs a big serve with stability on, so he might revert back to his usual platform stance. And we already saw it in his first round. With that serve, he was on pace for the lower first serve percentage since May through two sets. That's from yeah. Gil Gross. And what we also saw is that he ended that opening match with his old technique. So I think he's just trying to trial and error, see what other kind of weapon that he can produce. Yeah, I guess the concerns are, are valid and, I hope he's healthy for his sake, obviously, this mm -hmm. tournament and beyond. I'm still, Kenny, I'm still just looking at the backhand, right? Like, when he plays elite players, that's been the shot that has broken down, especially mm -hmm. the free points given up on the serve. So that's where he has to succeed. But this has been, look, we've talked about it. This is his most successful tournament. So if he can figure it out, you would think it would be here. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think when you mentioned that backhand, I think another thing, and I was I was going back last night, sorry, this morning at 7 a.m. Uh, before bed, <laughs> I was watching the uh, I was watching back some of the Sissy Pass Thompson match because I wanted to just get a feel for that one. And I think one of the things, and we saw it all grass season at Wimbledon in 2022. That's when uh, they the second of last time they met. Um, you know, he actually, when he's playing extremely well, when he's actually raising his level, you know, to its highest place. He is crushing that backhand. Now, we know it's a weakness, but he's actually, you know, we saw it against Nick Kyrgios. Obviously, he applauded uh, a couple backhand errors and said good shot. But, you know, he did he did rip some of those. And I think when he's playing with reckless abandon from the baseline, you know, that's really when we see the best Stefanos Tsitsipas. And I just think with this back injury right now, we saw it at the United Cup and then we saw it again continue into the first yeah. round. Yes, as Pam points out, maybe his serve is a little more accurate, but the the pass serve was his biggest weapon, uh, aside from the forehand. And we, he's lost uh, speed on the serve. He's lost speed on the forehand. And I just think he's in big trouble here. And I, I think he knows in his mind that he's a compromised player right now. His expectations can't be to even make the quarterfinals here with the way he's playing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that also should play into how he looks. I think he's just going to try his best given his physical limitations right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm incredibly concerned for him and I, I'm not concerned for him long-term. I just think, you know, this is going to be a pretty rocky start to the season because we know as as everyone in the chat, everyone watching and everyone uh, on the show right now knows this is a guy that loves to play tennis. I mean, he plays like 80 matches a year. He leads the tour in matches played because he wins yeah. so much, but he also enters so many draws. So I don't know how a guy like that is going to manage like, oh, I'm actually hurt. Like, should I really sit out a month? Yes, I should. But I want to keep playing. It's much like Rafa. When Rafa yeah. was like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm aiming to come back at the French Open. But let me just let me just keep playing. Right. Let me play Australia. Let me play maybe, you know, Acapulco. I love that tournament. Oh, actually, you know, I love Indian Wells, too. I have some revenge that I need to exact over Taylor Fritz. And oh, I lo- he just loves every tournament. So he can't he can't play off the court. No, it's fair. It's a fair assessment. We see what happens with Sitsipas. We will see what happens going forward. Uh, Karina, as we mentioned uh, time and time again on this show, you represent the our neighbors up north. So the floor is yours for what we've seen here, the uh, Canadian Tennis State of the Union. So there's been <laughs> some good, there's been some bad, there's been some uh, ups and downs. But how have you seen your country mates perform in round one of the Australian Open? I'll start with the good, um, and that's both Layla Fernandez and Felix Ogialiasi making it to the second round. I think both of them, you, we can agree, it was not their best tennis match, um, and I think they both kind of went through some bumps. Layla, in particular, was almost a little bit lucky that she was playing as a 17-year-old who just started to amount to like a lot of more unforced errors in that second set, but... Honestly, I think that's a good confidence boost for her going to her match with Alicia Parks. Like if I were to place money on it, I would probably bet that that goes three sets. Um, I just think Alicia Parks and Layla Fernandez are kind of very similar in terms of like being these upcoming uh, players who have a lot in their arsenal, who have shown flashes of potential. Obviously, Layla has shown a little bit more flash of potential, making a Grand Slam final in the past. Um, but yeah, I think I'm interested to see how that one goes and see what her level is like. Obviously, as we've known in the past, like everything just follows her serve. If her serve is going well, then all the other parts of her game, of her game tend to fall into place. And then on the Felix side, I have a lot of mixed emotions about his match versus Dominic team um, because I think he started out, it started out great. It looked like his movement was going well. His serve was really good. And then 
it seemed like he was going to be an easier win. And then all of a sudden his level drops. Um, Dominic team levels the match and they end up going to that fifth set. I think obviously Felix is coming back off of struggling with the knee. Um, so I'm not sure if that's maybe like a physical thing. He's not feeling 100% yeah. in terms of, you know, enduring those five setters. But I think a part of it is kind of that mental hurdle that he's kind of had to go over in the last like year, especially in 2023, where for some reason during matches, his game just kind of falls apart a little bit, especially when his opponent starts to raise their level. He just can't match it. And he starts to make all these mistakes and kind of goes away from what his he normally does. And I think that's something that I would like to see him maybe work on as he makes his way through the Australian Open, hopefully with more matches and getting a little bit healthier is going to help with that. But I think, you know, that's that's definitely a concern of mine, but I am happy that he ultimately got that win against Dominic Team. Obviously crushed for Dominic Team being a huge uh, Domi fan, um, following yeah. him throughout his entire career. And I also want him to get some wins, you know, as he makes his way back from struggling with injuries and losing a bunch of matches. But of course, I had to root for Felix in this one. Um, there was a few, yeah. There's a few Dami team team fans on this show, and I know Pam wanted to talk about this too because we've been kind of tracking this together. And uh, he plays well. I mean, the third set, Felix was like you said, Karina in route to a straight sets win, up five two, I believe, in that third set tiebreaker. Yes, team wins five straight, changes the complexion of the match. Pam, it's another great performance down the stretch for, for team with nothing to show for it, which seems to be a common theme. How do you see him going forward now? It's another one of those where Felix did not win that match. It was Dominic team lost that match again. And that's just been the story on repeat for the greater part of the year for over a year now. I think there, I think to me, I see Dominic team and I know that he is physically back. The strokes are fully there. He will be stuck in this limbo space that he has been until he can get out of his own head. He's just stagnant. Maybe he's plateaued. And I have to say, and I feel like I'm on, uh, I'm on just like on repeat. It's his lack of confidence. The game of tennis has fully moved into the power style now. And one handers, you just have to be so much better than the rest in order to win in this era. It takes such a large amount of confidence to be a one hander against a two hander backhand in this generation. And I feel like just ever since he's come, come back from injury, that confidence, it, it's just yeah. not there. It's the same. You can have the same style of game, but I mean, it's just, you mm -hmm. have to play like Federer. You have to use the entire court. Yes. You have to constantly change the rhythm of the rallies. You're never, never let the two handers get complacent. And that's exactly what he's allowing his opponents to do. And then you just see his, you see it in his face. He gets down. He loses a point that he should have won. And then it just falls apart from there. I really think that it's just confidence and it's so much easier said than done, but you got to hire like every confidence coach you can to try to get that, some of that steam back. But when he does, the strokes are there. How many highlights do we see of him? It's just, he hasn't been able to put together the full package. Yeah. My only uh, tennis technical uh, observation, and I say that as someone that was not anywhere near a high level of tennis, <laughs> is that you could see him hit the ball on the rise more a little bit with that backhand. Similar to what you said, Pam, with Federer. Uh, I think that would be a tactical change that would be worth exploring. And then also, just don't dig two set holes to anyone, let alone Felix in a grand slam. Like he, that is insurmountable, especially the older you get with that. So mm -hmm. uh, we're going we're gonna to move it along here on tennis bets. But Kenny, because, you know, we got to give love to, you know, the chat's doing pretty well and we got some good okay. comments and good stuff. So, 
I want to ask us, we got a, we got a question. I think Kenny, you'd be the one to answer. Cause I have my thoughts. We can kind of say, but guy going to uh shout out to our, our fan here, been at the Australian open the last three days. He's going to day four. What's your recommendation for a match? Maybe. And Kenny, maybe one on an outer court that, you know, you're obviously watching all these and you can point him into one. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that he was able to see some of Dan Evans and Lorenzo Sonigo last night. I mean, for me, it was the match of the tournament uh, besides the Rinkia Jakarta young Leonard Struff match. I mean, that was, look, I mean, it, it's about as grueling as a four-set match gets. That was just tennis of the highest order in that fourth set. Um, and when we're looking at today, I mean, there's, it depends on what sessions you're going to. I would say Early on, that Ange Jabir Mira Andreeva match is going to be can't miss. I think that's going to be. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if I don't know if Ange is actually going to be playing very well, but that's a very very tight matchup. Um, but yeah, I mean, Musetti Van Asha has a lot of potential. I like that one as well. But under the lights, if you're going to go to a match, you got to go see uh, Tomo play uh, Stefano Tsitsipas because I really think there's an upset brewing there with uh, with, with an Aussie in front of a crowd who we we did. Wonder, you know, oh, is the crowd going to be against him because he's had some foul things to say about the new rules letting uh, players come in during the uh, during the points uh, or, or you know in between games? But uh, no, mm -hmm. I think everyone's going to love him. Those would be the match recommendations for yeah. me. Um, and I, I also will say any any match you can go to featuring a French player. I, I'm blown away by how many French people are there in Australia right now. It is they are getting so much crowd support. Luca Van Asha had more support on an outside court against an Australian James Duckworth. Now that might have to do with the fact that James Duckworth is probably ranked, you know, tenth in terms of tennis players that Australians actually care about. But uh, you know, I mean, the French have, have had a great coalition. So I think any French match, Alice and Corda, you can't go wrong. I would also yeah. just like to interject on the the previous point about the team uh, OJ Aliassime match. That match in the third set, the first four games fe uh, featured the first game of the service game, the first point of the service game, uh, ending in a double fault and an unforced error. It was a terrible, terrible quality of play. I'm so happy for Felix that he was able to pull it out because I actually think he's got, now that he's got this win under his belt, he should have some interesting possibilities as the draw unfolds. And, right. you know, his highest level, we did see it at the end of last year. Like, it's still pretty, pretty high. Uh, so I think if he can just get some confidence, and I do feel as though he built some after surviving that 2-0 melt, the things will work out for him. You read my mind with uh, same wavelength again. We said he, that match, Van Ash should be a great one. Uh, court seven, I believe. Uh, you mentioned another one, and that was kind of on the on the radar. We're going to get to some picks here and everyone's breakdown of some individual matches, but I don't know if it's a rat line or if it's just everyone knows what the state of these players are, but Karina, that women's match, Anjibor enters this match, the underdog. And there's different reasons for this. Anshibor maybe not playing a lot of tennis recently at a high level, getting back to health. I think the other side of the coin, though, is Miran Dreva 16, and the hype train is rolling down the station. So do you think that the higher seed wins, or do you think the favorite wins this one? This one is interesting. I would also like to add in another factor, which is weather, because we just saw Jack Draper just go and throw up after he won his match. Um, and he's also someone who's a little bit younger. Maybe the more experienced player can last a little bit longer in the heat. Who knows? I'm very like I I get it with on but like also I'm kind of surprised that she's really not favored in this match. I would say I think I would go with her rather than Mira Andreva right now. Kenny, how much of this, too, could also be track record? Australia seems to be the one where Jabor hasn't had that level of success, too. And and I think part of it, maybe more of it, could be Andreva. Like, I think this might be more of a reflection of where 
we think she's going to be. Yeah, I mean, she absolutely dusted Lamilla Samsonova last week. And I had people coming into my DMs and on Twitter being like, well, how is you know, a teenager going to face the power of Samsonova. And we've seen Samsonova step to the best players in the world, you know, get, you know, reduce a top five level when it's her, uh, her time of the year. And, uh, you know, so to, to, to beat her in such short order in a, a fair, fairly important uh, eight, a WTA 500 leading into a grand slam was so, so impressive, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Jabir has maybe got a little Tiafo in her that she just, she really just kind of sleepwalks through the first couple of months and then, Turns it on, you know, when that adrenaline gets hit and she goes, oh, well, maybe uh, my ranking is going to be in danger. Maybe I should start playing well. Obviously, we know she loves grass season. So, um, yeah, I don't know if this is a great spot for her. I would also point out when we're talking about the weather, it's pouring rain, right? I'm Believe it or not, even though I'm on Australian time, I still am in freezing cold New York City. So I can't give a first person account. of no. I can't be a primary source when it comes to this weather. But it does look like it's raining right now pretty hard in Melbourne. Uh, the, the conditions have come down quite a bit. Uh, or the, the the temperature rather. So that's going to be very important to these players who maybe don't mm -hmm. like the heat like Ange Burr. But yeah, the, Mira is, you know, outstanding. I think from the, you know, all accounts, she is a, a future top fiver, uh, potentially in the next couple of years. We saw quickly Coco Goff was able to make that a, a possibility and Iga Fiantek as well at the French Open a, a few years ago. So uh, this is a very, very dangerous match for her. And I, I think Mira wins. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, more tennis bets here. You know where the channels we are, YouTube, Facebook, and Tennis Bets, Twitter. Um, we got a comment that's going to lead into one of our observations. Pam, one of our commenters wants to know, and I know this is one of the ones you signaled for a specific bet, but Manorino Munar, uh, interesting match, interesting matchup between players at different trajectories in their career. Right. How do you see this one going? It's only been one episode that we've had, but I feel like I have a good, really good read so far. Um, my VEASAN bet swept, so I'm going to continue that on with Adrian Monarino and Munar over 36. I wanted to grab Munar to win a set, but that is heavily juiced to minus 240. So I'm essentially, this is another way to back him. Basically, you just have two defensive players who both play from the baseline two backboards. Now, because of that, you don't have an aggressive weapon from either of these. Neither can outpower the other. Monarino faced a 38-year-old in who we love, Stanimal Walrinka. Yes, but he was so gassed there at the end that that scoreline made him look a lot better than actually, but Walrinka was in that for a little while. Munar yeah. has a lot of speed. He has a lot of endurance. He's the, the clay court player who can play long rallies and at last year opponent. So because also they have no match history under their belt, the surprise factor is always going to come into it. The unknown keeps this match going. I like over 36. Yeah. And to Kenny's point, or maybe to just 
add some info. Manorino was like the only French guy that didn't get support in that in, in the first round. The crowd was not necessarily a fan of certain things, but it worked for him. And he pro- he proves to be a tough test for any of these tennis players. Uh, Kenny, we mentioned the match, so I got to get your quick pick. You've got some money line plays today that I think are interesting. And you're riding with Van Ash over Musetti at plus 160. Yeah, I mean, Musetti is just, it's very similar to why I like Tiafo to go down today as well. I mean, he's just a, a guy with mm-hmm. obvious talent, obvious ability, down on his luck right now. You know, he ended the mat, he ended the season last year on a seven-match losing streak. He comes into a, a couple of warm-up tournaments. He, he really looked terrible against Pablo Kotov, got very, very frustrated. Uh, even in his first-round match against Benjamin Bonzi, Won the, the first set relatively, you know, short order. I mean, he he was up a break. He gave it back. He won in, in a tie break. And then he goes down a break in each of the next three sets. Uh, just really had a huge struggle on serve. And we've seen Bonzi before play at a, at a pretty high level, um, you know, in Grand Slams as well. But, uh, you know, the way that he is, the, the form that he's in right now, that has to be a red flag for anyone looking at this match. Luca's 19. Um, so obvious questions about coming off of a five-setter. Can he do it again? Uh, I think he can. I think he's got incredible stamina and his ability to just get every ball back into play, work the backhand so well, work with uh, work with width, as the Brits like to say on commentary. Uh, I, I think this is a really troublesome spot for Musetti, and we know that you know he's going to be made to go for a lot of backhands down the line. I just don't think that's a winning strategy for him. I, I also think Van Ash is going to, with his width, going to break down a weaker a forehand side for Musetti. And again, you know, the fact that his serve really didn't look very dominant against Benjamin Bonzi, Luca Van Asche is an unbelievable returner. And James Duckworth does pack a pretty good punch on his serve for his size. And Van Asche was able to handle it uh, pretty well. I thought actually James Duckworth played better than he has in a couple months uh, in that match. And Van Asche had a, a, an answer for everything and had incredible composure mentally for a 19-year-old with little experience coming back. Uh, being down two sets to one and winning that match in again not a hostile environment uh, there were uh, you know it was a, a 50-50 split in the crowd so a big environment especially late in that fifth set more Aussies decided to show up so um I I have a lot of confidence in him winning this match against Lorenzo Musetti who really is is an, a favorite in this match just riding off the back of his name and his previous orals yeah, uh, interesting. And Krina, for those that you know haven't been here a while, that's you know Kenny's going money line. He's taking out some of the favorite, you know, exciting players. You know, Tiafo to lose today. Mm-hmm. Father to be Musetti. See you later. So I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. But yeah, the Tiafo match. I want to get your perspective, Krina, because he beats Chorich. Looks pretty good in that match. But there has been the letdown after big wins for Tiafo. We have seen that. Mm-hmm. So I think this could be a trap situation. I think I have more confidence in him than you guys do, honestly. I thought the other way. I think the the win over Courage was actually a great one um, and a mm-hmm. great situation to kind of stay under the radar a little bit for Tiago with so many names kind of circling around and everyone's kind of looking for that upset. I think, honestly, if he can get past a couple of rounds just quietly almost, I think it'll do him a lot more good. So I don't know. This is a this is a gutsy money line, I think. Oh, it's <laughs> It's not as gutsy as uh, well. I don't. We already talked about Lahek earlier, so we can. Just- well, we'll get to my parlay, <laughs> which is very gutsy. But he, he's a he's I a grinder, wait. and he's. I, I mean, Mahach is a guy that at the end of last year was uh, was stepping to the big boys after coming through the challengers and with flying colors and like the the, the, the as Mitch mentioned, this is a, a very big letdown spot for Francis. We saw it in Hong Kong where you know Miomir Kasmanovic is is just the the tough luck uh, kid right now. Like he. 
doesn't have a great record to show the season, but this season, but he's lost to Jack Draper and Francis Tiafo, two guys that just took everything he had right and, and brought it right back uh, onto his side of the court. Like he played incredibly well in that match in Hong Kong. Francis looked unbelievable. I thought like, I was like, wow, this guy looks better than I've seen him in over a year. I'm re- I'm excited for the Australian open. Then he had a huge letdown against uh, Jerry Shang looked terrible in the next match. And I, I don't think he really played that well against George. I mean, he, he played, you know, Francis tennis for a, a couple of sets there, but like, Gave, you know, Chorch so many opportunities to, to break in that third set and really turn that match around. Even in the fourth, dropped serve, serve uh, you know, when he was about to serve for the match. And I, I thought Chorch, like, wasn't really at his best. So this is a dangerous match because I think he's going to overlook Mahach, just like he overlooked Adrian Manorino at the U.S. Open last year in a match which really should have gone five sets. Manorino uh, made a comeback in that fourth set and was in a winning position. So, uh, you know, this is this is dangerous times. Mahach is a killer. He's one of the toughest players to beat on the ATP tour. And you're going to have to come up with your best stuff. And I don't know if Francis has it right now. So I do think this is a slightly troublesome spot. I will say out of all the underdogs I like today, this is the one that I'm the the least confident (laughs) in. But I think that if you're a believer in playing the numbers and not playing the players, you look at this line and this line screams Mahach especially considering the way he played at the end of last year and he seemed to, to pick it back up this year. I think another option to target this instead and you're getting even better value instead of targeting plus 175 for I agree is unlikely to happen. I think TFO comes out with a win, but I think another way to target this, if you think it's a major letdown spot, is for this to go five sets. Um we have seen Tiafo many times before extend a tournament and send a match that he has no business in a five setter with. If this is the type of spot where he could, you're getting plus 250 for this to go five and still yeah. Tiafo come out with a win. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds strategy in a lot of ways. I think there's some synergy in one of our discussions here. I know Pam is on Sitsipas Thompson over 37 and a half games. I'd say there's synergy because Kenny, we'll get to your graphic, but you're all over Jordan Thompson tonight spread money line you name it so is this and i'll ask you both starting with pam is this more concern with sitsipas's form and how he's looked or i mean maybe the crowd and, and playing in aussie and australia has something to do with it it's a little bit of both this sitsipas is not somebody to trust right now it's so difficult to have confidence in his game and you can get thompson to win one set at minus 155 i'm not going to pay that juice although it is highly likely I don't think I love for him to be in a five setter. Um, I'm not sure this gets to five sets. This could be a four four set win for Thompson. It could be a four set win for Sitsipas. So instead, I think like the four set target is the what I'm aiming for over 37 and a half makes a lot sense to me. Essentially, it's backing Thompson without directly backing Thompson. I mean, Sitsipas is just so inconsistent with the serve. The backhand looks as much of a liability as ever. We know that he's injury prone. Had that slow start in the first round to lucky loser. I'll probably butch his name as uh, Zazu Bergs. He right. won that because his opponent faded away physically, not because Sitsipas did anything remarkable. Thompson, he loves to get in big, lengthy rallies, five-set matches to open. You can see that opening match that he had and say, oh, he's going to be gassed after that. I see that as we're still so early into the tournament that he has rhythm built and he's okay to come back from that. Solid overall, no inherent weakness, aggressive, both from the forehand and the backhand. And they've had three matches against each other. They've had multiple tie breaks in those matches. And Thompson got the best of Sitsipas at Indian Wells in three last year. 
I think this is going to be, yeah, a competitive match. I just don't want to pay the minus 155 juice to say that. So I'll take the over 37 and a half instead. And Kenny, you're all on Thompson. I think spread money line 450 is a decent number for a hometown guy. And uh, right. I mean, look, I, this is, you know, you wait all, all tournament for a night like this when you can get two huge underdogs that you really feel very, very good about. And Jordan Thompson, you know, he beat Stefano Sitsipas back at Indian Wells. I mentioned that Wimbledon match, a, a match where Stefanos played an incredible level. The serve was on point at the, the backhand. He was crushing the backhand in big moments. Thompson was making go for it. Uh, Jordan Thompson led by a break in that second set. He pushed him. I mean, he saved match points in that third set, eventually went down 7-5 in straights. But then again, Indian Wells comes back and wins in three sets. And even in Washington, two very tight sets in their other meetings. So this is a guy that's always seemed to have Stefanos's number. He makes Stefanos very frustrated out there on the court. And without his best level, I just don't know. I just don't see how he wins this match. Like I, I know that's crazy to say about a guy that's going against a plus 450 underdog, but I, I really could see a possibility here where Stefanos goes out in four sets. Um, you know, we saw it happen against Daniel Galan at, at the U.S. Open. We've seen Stefanos lose so many times early at the U.S. Open. And, you know, really over the last few years, has had so many disappointing Grand Slam results. So it really would mm -hmm. not be surprising, much like, you know, Hubie Hercatch, someone like that going out tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, it, would it be very surprising to see Stefanos just, you know, be like, you know, I don't have my best stuff. I just think mentally, I, I really question where he is. Like, I know he, he knows that he's not playing at his best, so he can't be feeling overly confident in his tennis. He can't have that Sitsipas arrogance about him where he feels like I'm just, you know, I'm, I have the better level here. I'm going to get through. I don't think he believes that the crowd's going to be absolutely rocking uh, under, under the lights at night, backing an Aussie first night in the match as well. So you're going to get great attendance. I believe they're on Margaret court. So that is uh that is a really, really troubled spot. And again, Thompson, a marathoner, he's played so many best of fives. He's come back after so many five set wins and, and produced a high level. And, you know, it was a it was a nervy match against Vukic, but he's going to come out swinging here. He's got nothing to lose. He knows he can beat this guy. He's going to have the belief. And and I really think he's going to win. So I'm all over the games here. Uh, I, and again, we've seen very close sets every time these guys have played, at least for Jordan Thompson standards. So I think the spread is also a very good way to go here. If Thompson does manage to lose in four sets, I think this is a, a number he covers. So um, I, I would go ahead and, and be all over Jordan Thompson tonight. I think he got to ride the wave. I All right, a live dog. I like there it. There we go. A live dog, as they say. Some some agreements here. Karina, I want to get to you though, because you know, a lot of people send picks to the show when they're at guests. You went with more bold claims. So <laughs> we're gonna play some of those now because there's gonna be some interesting ones. You wanted to go for some big swings, things you could see happening. And number one was a doozy. And uh, you might get some some pushback here, but we'll have to see. A uh, bold claim number one, you like Shelton to beat Djokovic in the fourth round of this tournament. <laughs> Here's where I'm coming from. I would like to have some fun. I, I like to view the Australian Open as kind of like just part of the warm up to the whole year, obviously. And like, I think this is the perfect spot for anything to happen. Um, I think Ben Shelton is coming off, obviously, an incredible second half of 2023. His level looks pretty good. And uh, I would like to think that somebody is going to upset Novak before he gets to the final. And I think this is a great spot for it to happen. Um, I like that pick. I would like to just be super relaxed and fun and do something bold because as we said, so far it's been super calm. Thank I think you. this, you're welcome. <laughs> I think this might be like the first bit really big upset to happen 
at the mm. Australian Open. I don't know. I just think he can at least match Novak's level. And then if he really just gets into it, I think he can close this one out. Are either of you, Kenny and Karina, worried about the Manorino test before the, the setup no. match? No? No, no worries. Uh, for Kenny? Sheldon? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I am. I am. I don't know. I, I think he kind of got out of jail with that level that RBA played. Mm -hmm. It's a little concerning, but, you know, again, we've seen Manorino just struggle against guys like that who can hit through the court so well. I'm not that worried for Shelton in that match. I mean, it's slightly worried. I'm more worried about uh, this Alexi Popperin match coming up tonight against Novak Djokovic. And I, I'm with Karina that I feel it's got this, this Australian Open has no, weird vibes for Nole. And I know, you know, uh, that uh, the uh, the Prismich match, you know, reminded me a lot of the Enzo Cuoco second round match last year where Djokovic lost the second set in a tie break and he looked terrible in the tie breaks. And the same narrative prevailed where, oh, he never makes mistakes in the tie break. What's going on with Novak? And uh, and then he would get, you know, he got the trainer out and he had an injury and he managed to, you know, just kill poor Enzo into the next two sets and go on to uh, achieve great things at that tournament. But, you know, this Popperin match is very, very tricky for Novak Djokovic because what does he like to make you do? He, like to make you, he likes to make you go for those low percentage winners, uh, those backhands over the big part of the net down the line. That is what Lexi Popperin loves to hit. He loves those low percentage shots. He has a poor shot selection. He has a very small brain, but it leads him to some incredible, incredible moments on the court. He comes up with incredible shots. So I think Djokovic here is going to be in a little bit of trouble because Popperin loves to go for lines and Popperin's going to have a, a, just an absolutely unbelievable atmosphere for him. They love him in Australia. He, you know, he had a, he produced a very, very high level against Roman Sofulin before he seemed to pick up a little bit of a physical ailment um, in Brisbane. And, you know, I, I think he's playing pretty decent tennis right now. You know, I don't know if he's going to win that match, but, I circled that in, when I was looking at the draws. That was the actually the toughest match Proper I think Djokovic match. is going to have until he reaches the, the court or the semis, I think. So um, yeah. that that right there is going to be a popcorn match. I recommend either waking up early or staying up late to watch because I think it's going to be fun. I think yeah. Popperin's going to want to set in that match. And I, I think we're going to start to, you know, if, if Prismich, uh, a guy that did fade physically, um, was able to really make us question whether or not Novak Djokovic was going to make it through that match. Uh, I think Popperin, man, he's, he's going to have nothing to lose. He's going to swing with reckless abandon, and that is the most dangerous Alexi Popperin you can face, especially one in Australia where he always plays his best tennis, beat Taylor Fritz here last year in memorable fashion, uh, beat David Goffin when he was just outside the top 10. Very memorable wins here in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. I think he might come up with another special performance, even maybe in a heartbreaking five-set loss. Djokovic ain't going to lose to Popperin. Djokovic ain't going <laughs> to lose to Shelton at all. That's a non-factor. Can Shelton be effectively aggressive in the return game? Sure. Might there be openings to Djokovic serve games? Sure. Djokovic is going to eat him up. The counterpunching is going to redirect the power. And what you people, what people tend to forget about Djokovic and why he looked a little bit lackluster in his first round, he tries to play the lowest level possible to defeat his opponent. And then once he gets a gauge for, okay, this guy is a little bit better than I predicted, he turns it up to level two. He has 10 levels. <laughs> he has no, he knows. So with that, with that logic, bare minimum. why would you not be, with that logic, then wouldn't you be behind all over Popperin to win a set here? To win a set, sure, but to lose, absolutely never. Well, no, I don't think anyone's saying Popperin's winning this match. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. Again, he seems to be pretty. I think it's going to be really <laughs> dangerous match. I think it's going to be tight. I think he's going to have to really dig hard. Like, 
you know, you talk about a plus 1800 uh, underdog. Yes, I don't think any of us are here saying, uh, oh, you know, Novak Djokovic is going to lose tonight. But I, I do feel as though that's going to be very, very close, a lot closer than people think. And uh, it's definitely going to make him sweat a little bit, Novak. You just got to try to break him down round by round until somebody can jump on that. Well, Karina, I I'm not get... even sure that I'm not even sure Popper's going to win a set. I don't know. Maybe it's, he'll lose in a tie break and not that will be the heartbreaker. And then Novak oh, eats him up yeah. from there. That's there are sets there. Like even when we saw Alcaraz last night, Gasquet set one was seven five tie break. So there are opportunities, even with the very best, to win a set. But yeah, it's all about finding value. Uh, Karina, second bold claim. And this one I actually did get odds to because you're saying the final in that Shelton world where he wins. Alcaraz beat Shelton in the final to win. The Australian Open. Now, before you get to that, Alcraz Shelton, a final, not even picking the winners, plus 5,500 on uh, one of the sites here that's not sponsoring us officially. So, uh, backing up your bold claim number two, Alcraz Shelton in the final with Alcraz winning it. Well, A, I think if Shelton can get past Novak, he can get past anyone to make it to the final after that. Um, and then I just think Carlos, to me, is already a lock for a final just with the draw Ooh. that he has. Um, so I Excuse think. Excuse me. Excuse oh. me, Grigor Dimitrov is online. One, Karina. I think okay. I hear your phone ringing. I I love Grigor with all my heart, and I'm so happy he won his first title. And I forget how many, how long of a time, but um, come on, Kenny. Greg, <laughs> Kenny's been championing Grigor. I'm on, I'm on the Dimitrov side as well. Really? I'm excited, I'm excited for him, especially after, and I like what Gil Gross tweeted yesterday about um, about Dimitrov, where opponents who have faced Fuksovics in the first round of a slam, they have not gone through. They are now 0-6 in a row, and that includes Sebastian Korda, Greg Spohr, Maxim Kressy, Yannick Sinner, and even Daniel Medvedev. So for... So for Dimitrov to get through him in their first round, outlasting him physically, no. that just tells me, and Fuksovic is a player, that you typically do not outlast physically. Like, his confidence is at an all-time high. This is exactly what we needed from him. All along, he's always had the ability to be great. Now he finally believes that he can be great. He's so I'm, I'm so looking forward to him uh, running deep in this. I'm looking forward to him doing well, too, you know, up until a certain point. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm curious, Karina. I mean, I'm curious what you think about the result at the end of last year in Shanghai when Grigor was playing his best tennis, the same tennis we've seen. He beats Alcaraz in three sets. Now, yeah, did Carlos, you know, fade at the end of last season? Of course, but that, that has to play into both players' minds here that Grigor finally was able to beat Alcaraz. And he's had incredible achievements in this game. He's, he's beaten some of the best in the world. Yeah, but still, like best of five is still different than best of three. And I think when it comes to Grand Slams, I'm, I'm going to go with the younger guy at this, like I was especially with the talent level um, at Carlos, this point yeah. in time. Carlos is, uh, well, I mean, we, we talk about how the tough draws are, and that's that's fair. But That's also a contradicting statement, though, if you're talking about Shelton defeating Djokovic in a best of five. <laughs> you don't go against Djokovic in a best of five in anybody. I, I I am a big believer in Shelton. I'm super excited for what he can do in 2024. I just think it's way too early into the season that we're going to see that success from him. My prediction for him uh, prior to the start of the season was that he's going to win a Masters 1000 during the hard court season. He has a lot to improve on that he's just not there for a best of five. His aggressiveness he still doesn't have his timing down. And that can be a huge deterrence in somebody like facing somebody like Djokovic. He needs to return. He needs to improve on his return game. It's still not solid enough. And his obvious weapon is his serve. 
But when you're going up against the best returner in the world in a best of five, he has the weapons. He just needs to learn how to put it all together in a package. And I think that's going to come towards the end of the year. All right. All right, gang. We're going to round this down now. This is good. Hey, we like bold claims here on Tennis Bets. I think that's good. I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun, you know? No, it's, it's and perfect. We, and, we shouldn't, and we don't fault you for it, Karina. I love it. Oh, I no. No, that. I love I this. That's that fun. Final. This is why it creates conversation. Like, let's, let, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're going to go through our last round of picks, some comments that uh, people want us to comment on matches. One more bold claim from Korean involving women's tennis as well. Kenny, I'm not going to get you out of here before I get your your last thing. There's also a parlay on a, a pick that you have and uh, fading an American. So we'll start with the straight-up spread bet. Quinton Halley's plus 4.5 game, four and a half games against Corda. You're going to sprinkle on the money line, and there's rumblings of a parlay as well? There are the, the, there are rumors floating around that I am on a parlay here. Yeah, so the... The thing I, I would like to say, and and the chat, you know, was pointing out my hatred of Yuri Lehechka, and shout out to everyone in the chat. Really appreciate the uh, the support. You know, a lot a lot of great characters showing up, and really hope you show up for the remainder of the Australian Open because it's so much more fun doing this show with you guys here. Really, uh, and I'm not just saying that to pander to the audience and get our numbers up. It's it's okay, very fun to see everyone talking about what they think is going to happen tonight. And I think it's going to be a very fun night of tennis. Quinton Hollies, and again, one of the things that I allude to with Lehechka, like I, I am always open-minded when it comes to tennis. You know, I, I recognize when a player is raising their level. And Lloyd Harris has long been a player I've thought was very bad at tennis. Um, he, I watched that Quinton Hollies and Lloyd Harris match. Hollies came in as a big underdog in that one. Lloyd Harris, not only did he land almost every first serve, and we know he has one of the biggest serves in the world, uh, he was playing unbelievable from the baseline, like not making any errors, getting every forehand back into play. It was an extraordinary level from Quentin Hollies. And shout out to you, Matthias from France. Uh, Ale, Ale uh, I do feel like Quentin Hollies is just not getting enough respect here. Ale Quentin, I think, again, there were a lot of fans in attendance for Quentin. I'm, I'm interested to see if that carries over to today. But he is serving very well. Korda really struggled to return the Lehechka serve last week when they played. I was very concerned about that. Uh, just nothing doing on return. This is going to be a similar situation. He struggled against Vic Capriva. He blew that two sets to love lead, almost went behind a break in the third set. This is a guy that's just not playing his best tennis. We've seen him beat Daniil Medvedev at this tournament before, right? We've seen him beat Carlos Alcaraz. Clearly has an incredible future in this game if he can figure out his mental side of things. Right now, though, he's down on his confidence. He's making a lot of errors. I don't think he's sturdy enough on serve to handle a guy. And Quentin Hollies, who was able to negotiate breaks off the Lloyd Harris serve late in that match, who was able to win tie breaks, grind out that win. And he has a massive serve. We've seen him beat some of the better players in the world, the top 50 players. Uh, just a couple of years ago, he rose to prominence. So this is a very troublesome spot for uh, for Sebastian. I think, you know, much like Stefanos, he's just not playing nearly his best tennis right now, making a lot of mistakes. This is a troublesome, troublesome spot 
for the oh. American. And I think he goes down in round two. Really should have gone down in round one to a qualifier with the way he played. It's going to be very difficult to bounce back off of what's been two weeks now of extremely disappointing tennis. I like it. I think there's a lot of value there given Corda's level. Uh, Pam, your final pick, calling your shot, Kekmanovic Struff to go five sets. Also, I have to. I also just have to do a little caveat that I get real defensive when it comes to Djokovic, and y'all know this because he is my man. So I have to just like put that out there into the universe. We'll remember, we'll remember for next time. <laughs> We're um, on opposite sides of the spectrum for that, so it balances out. <laughs> so for Kachmanovic and Struff, uh, I, I think yeah, this is going to go the absolute distance. Over thirty nine and a half is the more conservative approach for just a regular minus one ten odds, but calling it five sets at plus two forty is the route that I want to go with because Struff is just pure power. He's going to generate a lot of free points off of that serve. He has a strong two handed backhand, so I think he could have that one two punch. Kachmanovic is improving as a player, but with Struff's aggression. I expect a very tight race. I think he can be a very much competitive competitive in this matchup. Plus, he does also lead the head-to-head matchup to a no, though they last played in 2019. But his power is going to take time to adjust to. Struff is going to chase down every ball. We know this much of him. Kichmanovic, he can redirect using Struff's pace, but I don't expect that to come out of the gate soon. Like I mentioned, it's going to take time to adjust, and I also don't expect him to have the type of dominance. He doesn't have the weapons to have a dominant performance. He has mm-hmm. strong defensive skills, consistent from the baseline. So I think because of his serve is lacking, I think Struff can have a really solid return game against him. Yeah. It was a road win for Struff, an emotional road win to pull that one out. So we'll see what he has going into match two. Uh, Kareen I teased at the final bold claim on the women's side. Coco Goff to win her second straight major on the WTA tour. Being Rabakina in the final. You also had in there that Pagula will get to another quarterfinal and lose to Rabakina. But why are you riding with Coco in this one? Well, I didn't think it was that bold. Now I'm just going to be yeah. labeled as the girl with the bold <laughs> takes. Bold but, yeah. Call on uh, your shot. I think I think I battled with Rabakina and Pagula. I honestly, I know I chose Rabakina, but I think it could honestly go either way. Um, I'm not one to count Pagula out of that, but I'm really confident in Coco to just do it again. I think mm-hmm. like her draw is really favorable. She doesn't really face like super difficult people until way deeper in the tournament. And I think she's just at a good level right now. I think she's starting to figure out that forehand that we've like talked about for so long. I think she's starting to tighten up parts of her game. I think the maturity is starting to settle in a little bit too. She's also, I know her and Pigula haven't played their first uh, doubles match yet, but I think I'm on the side that playing doubles and singles is good for her. And I think it's shown a lot of her growth. So unless she has like a really off day, I just don't see anybody beating her at the Australian Open. I just think she's riding like a high right now and has just done all the right things. If she gets to the final against Rabakina, yeah, I can I can ride with that. But if it's Iga, the history tells me. Well, that's it's not going to be Iga because (laughs) my bold claim, and we didn't prepare for this, but I have a very bold claim. I put this in before the tournament is that Helena Ostapenko is going to win this tournament. I really do believe she's playing well enough right now. Former Grand Slam winner, someone who has beaten all the best players, has just uh, arrogance on the court when it comes to her confidence. That match, I mean, we saw the mental mental war, right, between Sophie Kennan and Iga Sviantek. Uh, last night, it was a very difficult match for Iga. 
and uh, you know Helena last year at the U.S. Open, one of the only players ever to like come down from a come back from a set down at a Grand Slam against Iga Swiatek, maybe the only player ever. Um, I think that I think she wins that match in the fourth round, and maybe that opens things up for a golf or Bach in a final. Yeah. But I, I'm so impressed with the way that Ostapenko has looked over the last two weeks. She's playing very clean tennis, limiting those errors. And yeah, so uh, I think that could be a, a bold claim if you want one. I'm curious what you think yeah. about uh, Ostapenko's form right now, Karina. Unless she I'm loses just, the Hawkeye. The Hawkeye. Yeah, well, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, she she hates replays. So no worries with the Ayla Tamyanovic uh, bad blood rematch tomorrow night because that could not be not with the way not with the way Ayla looked last Angie night. Crow. Not with the way she looked against Angie Kerber. Um, the crowd's yeah, gonna I'm, be yeah. You know, I, anyway. I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. It's going to be, I'll, I'll be fun though. I'm very excited to watch that one. Also W bonus WTA pick for me today. Diane Perry. Love her. Minus one ten. I want to go just wrap up with some of the thoughts in the chat, what we have questions and we can just go rapid fire around. Um, our guy, our guy, Mike, our guy, Mark Schindler says thoughts on Kova Savage versus Hatchinoff. Hatchinoff's a big favorite. Kova Savage did survive Kenny, but this could be an interesting match. If you like some value on the American. Yeah, I am the Kova guy. I had him at round one against Tabio. I've, I've been following his career for a couple of years now. Um, he is, you know, sort of like this generation's tennis Sandgren, I think, where he's sort of always been stuck outside the top 100, never quite good enough to crack it. This is a, a troubling match for me, though. I mean, Hatchinoff hit such a big ball. I, I don't think Kova is going to really be able to make inroads here, and I think he ultimately goes down in short order. But I would be a bad American and a bad Kova fan if I didn't throw just like a few bucks on Kova to win this match. Who knows? I mean, Karen, Karen's had some real struggles over the last couple of weeks. Uh, that that match against Rusevori in Hong Kong was pretty troubling for me. You know, Rusevori did go to the final. You know, we know he can play good tennis at times, but just getting very frustrated, making a lot of errors. And Kova, one thing to watch out for is incredible at serve, at, at saving breakpoints and incredible at holding serve really bad at breaking serve, which is going to be ultimately cost him, what costs him this match. But I could see Hatchinoff getting a little uh, a little frustrated by how many break points Kova is able to serve with aces or, or, or big serve and volley plays. So um, I, I think I think Hatchinoff probably in three sets, but uh, I would hope to see Kova push that match uh, four or five. You know which American is going to win tonight? Who's that? Chris Rayu Banks. Ooh, we had that up here as a six to one. He's like a six to one dog against Rublev. Remember how I had Eubanks last week to win? And Kenny was like, nope. (laughs) I don't, I mean, he played Taro Daniel, who was on his last legs. I don't, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I can get behind a Rublev fade pretty easily. I I don't know if he's really looking (laughs) that good right now. So that, that match does give me pause. Like, I do feel like that, that could be a potential upset. I just don't think we've seen Eubanks play good tennis really since he right. had that breakthrough at Wimbledon at all. I mean, what do you, I mean, the, 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 the record does not lie. This so one that, in the, the first round, it made sense for me to back against Tower Daniel, just because like he is the big server. Daniel doesn't do well against him. I think Rublev can come out with a win. I kind of don't know what to make about Eubanks right now. I think he could probably keep this within like the game spread, but I don't really have a lot of confidence that he can come out with like the set or even the win just because you are now facing a better opponent and you will, you, he is the type of player that does better on super fast surfaces, something like Wimbledon and grass. So I think we haven't seen enough from him from just like regular hard court. That gives me um, enough confidence to want to back him against a solid competitor like Rublev. Happens, Karina, though. It could, it could very well happen. I think after Rublev's first, yeah, I think after Rublev's first round match, I think that's what gives me like a small thought that there could be a chance that the upset happens there. 
Last well, one. And also, you look back yeah. at Hong Kong, like the, his warm-up run there. I mean, he 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 looked terrible. Like he would he would have like you know much like Yuri Lehechka, and I don't mean to knock him, but like he would have like half of his service games would be to love. I mean, he they would be they would be over in thirty seconds. He would you know he would hit two aces, uh, uh, you know a, a near unreturnable to in, you know into a forehand winner, and then half his service games were just awful. He you know getting onto the second serve, letting his opponent get aggressive with it, and uh, making bad errors, getting frustrated. So I, I think mentally right now, as you said, Karina, I'm a little worried about him. I think he's just not playing consistent ball right now. But mm-hmm. we do always have the tendency to disrespect Rublev at these Grand Slams. We never give yeah. him his flowers. He made ten quarters, and obviously yeah. never won one. But like. I, I do feel though he's always a little bit more dangerous than we we give him credit for early in these tournaments because he has had some bad losses. He lost to Laszlo Gera round one at the French Open, but like he does also generally speaking come through these matches. So mm-hmm. I, I think he probably wins. I think what? this match is so like um, polar opposites. Like I can see Rublev winning straight sets, and I can see him lose outright. So if there was a betting way to attack this, it would simply just take Eubanks on the money line, a small little like quarter percent wager. And then that's it. Like taking the game spread doesn't make sense to me. Taking the set spread doesn't make sense to me because there's so many range of outcomes that you're better off just taking the money line. And then if it doesn't work out, great. It was a low risk. Certainly is. Uh, Just that last comment we aired as well, Karina. I think Fretch Garcia is worth a play at about three to one range. If you can get her Garcia riding high after being Naomi Osaka. We'll see how it turns out. I would still lean uh, Caroline Garcia. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased, but I think after watching her in person a couple of times, I think you don't really realize just how well she hits the ball until you actually watch her in person. And I think getting that win against Naomi Osaka, obviously who isn't back to her full form, but um, I don't know. I just think this is a not really a game that I see her losing, a match that I see her losing yet later on. I agree. I- I agree, but then also I was watching her in person at the U.S. Open uh, two years ago, and I was so excited for her, and then she just absolutely right. crumbled in the semifinals. So who knows with her, as mm-hmm. always, but she wins that match for sure. Gang, this was fun. We covered a lot. Well, There's hey, still just so t- much going on. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I did. I. I didn't oh, know if you had parlor, a graphic. Right? So I didn't. I did. I wanted to just give it up for you in the show, but I'm taking my biggest swing of all time. I've never taken a swing as bigger than this. I'm parlaying Ali's. And Thompson to win at plus twenty one hundred. Uh, pay your rent with that. It's uh, I think this is an amazing opportunity that really only comes around a few times a year, maybe a few times in a lifetime. But uh, to get two big underdogs on one day in amazing spots against weak opponents, that's my that's my best bet for tonight. Parlay them both. <laughs> All right, you can see at the bottom of the screen twenty one hundred. Kenny is responsible if your bet doesn't hit. So just uh, make all your comments out to at Kenny Ducey on Twitter. Or hit his the great out. news is that no one's uh, no one's going to stake a lot on it, so they can't be that mad, right? <laughs> There's so many matches. You're just on to the next one. It's great, uh, gang. Thank you guys so much for taking time, Karina Mustafa. You can follow her on Twitter, Karina MM, Pamela M, uh, Pamela Maldonado, Pamela M35, and Kenny Ducey. You guys are always a blast. We're back on Friday, same time. Check out the podcast as well if you missed it. We're on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And more than anything, enjoy the tennis, enjoy the Australian Open, and have fun. This was Tennis Bets. We'll see you next time. Have a blast.